Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Let's jump into the message today, and uh, I'm excited to preach to you today. Uh, we started a brand new series called A Walk with Abraham. How many of you were here last week? All right, good. Uh, I'll try to catch you up just a little bit. Our, our guy, and even with the news, and with Pastor Myron, thank you, Pastor Myron, for praying for Israel today. Uh, you, this, is, this is the dude which started it all. God is going to start a nation of people. He's going to choose a man named Abraham and a barren wife named Sarai, and he's going to choose them. He says, I'm going to start a nation with you. You're going to have a son. Your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. It begins with Abram, soon to become Abraham, which means the father of many nations. So even what we're watching in the news today is relevant and begins all the way back with the very series that we're on now. Maybe God was orchestrating all of this all along. Last week, I told you, Abram's going to get the word from God to go west. He's going to say, go to the land, I'll show you. I do appreciate Abram getting up and leaving on a 1,200-mile journey. Last week, I told you he's going to leave Ur, his hometown, and he's going to stop in a place called Haran at 600 miles. And he's going to settle there. 600 miles from where he's supposed to be. So he's, he's mostly obeying God. And we talked a little bit about getting stuck in the middle. Now, we all get stuck sometimes. No, no just talk to me and I'll preach a lot faster. Don't we all get stuck sometimes? Will you settle for good instead of going for God? Can I tell you something about this walk with the Lord? It never ends. The more you learn about God, the more you're going to realize you don't know about God. It, I, I, still feel, I still feel the same way when I first started a relationship with Jesus 40 plus years ago. I still feel the same way. Now, I've learned a lot more about God, and I've had a lot more experiences with God, and I've had a lot more with the Holy Spirit, but I still feel the same way. Isn't it funny that in the book of Revelation... It gives a scene that the angels circle the throne of God for eternity, and they sing. They have one song. They just keep singing the same song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy. Next verse. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Next verse. Holy, holy, holy. They don't even need a screen in heaven to let them know what the words are because they, they got it memorized. And you go, man, would that get boring? No, no. See, they're seeing more of who God is. It continues, this, the facets of God. And so there's always another step. Keep walking. Join us at 1030. Pastor, Ke I mean, Pastor Kevin up here begging. I mean, I mean ministering. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. This, this, this body only works when you find your place. And you start doing it, whatever your place is, whatever you're, you're a part of the body. And so we need all of it, even the spleen. Some of you will get that later. I don't, or what's that? Gallbladder, even the gallbladder, the gallbladder. Yeah. What are those for, doc? He didn't know either. Okay. All right. 
How many of you know that's in the body too? We got people in here, you go, what are they good for? I don't know. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. And so, uh, go, go. That's where he gets stuck. He gets stuck in the middle. Of course, he's going to end up going, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. He's actually going to get up. And I love this about the Bible. It doesn't just give the highlight reel of Abram. It gives the low light reel too. It, gives, it shows you us his weakness. Even though he's in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, Abram, by faith, left his household. And that's, what chapter, that's what Hebrews 11 tells you. But if you go back and read the story, Hebrews 11 didn't tell you the low life. It didn't tell you that he stopped in Haran, short of obedience. It doesn't tell you that. It's not going to tell you the story I'm going to tell you today, which says to us, it's encouraging to me, because we all fall short of the glory of God. It's actually encouraging to see Abram had times of doubt and fear. And that means we're going to have times of, of course. And that's what's encouraging. And so we're going to pick up the story in the book of Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to start at verse number 4 and read through 9. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was... So he's getting on up in age. Not that 75's old. I used to think 75's old until you start getting closer to 75. And then you go, no, no, 90's old. See, 75 when he departed from Haran. Has no son. Sarai. She's... Uh, let's see, she was 90. I think she's 9 years. 75, so that would be what... Uh, 66, when they departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarah's wife, Lot his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, that's where he's supposed to be, that's the place, and when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah, at that time... The Canaanites were in the land. And then the land appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, here he is again. He keeps reminding him of the promise. By the way, if you want to know if something is from God, we all have that moment where you go, I think the Lord spoke to me. He'll bring it up again. He'll, he'll remind you along the way. Don't forget, don't forget. And, and so he's reminding him again. To your offspring, I'm going to give this land. You're going to have a baby. Sarai, 66, you 75. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going through toward Negev. So do you see what's happening here? He finally makes it to the place, the promised land. He's actually touring the land. He's walking through it. He's walking around it. He's actually there. But we find from this scripture, he's not the only one that's there, is he? It's not like, here's the land. No one lives here. It now belongs to you. No, there's actually Canaanites are actually living in the land. And so... The land is full, but his wife's belly is still empty, and he's walking this land. This would be the equivalent, just so you'll know, if you woke up tomorrow morning, 
and there was somebody walking around your property. And you're like, can I help you? And they were saying, oh, we just claiming this land for the Lord. <laughs> He's walking it in faith. It's a picture of the kingdom of God. By the way, this is a foreshadow because God is going to send his son, Jesus, to this earth to walk it and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. He's showing that he's coming to redeem and to take it back from who stole it from him. And so it's a, it's a picture. And so obviously Abram's made some progress, right? Started off in Ur, started obeying the Lord, decided to settle. We talked about that last week. Now he gets back up again and he finally gets to the promised land. He's obeyed the Lord. This is good. Then the test. I can't say that God does this to every one of us, but I think it is a way of God. That once you get to the place that you're supposed to be, you'll be tested in it. That there, you will come to a place of testing. Uh, I'm going to call it the famine test. You know, I'll tell you in a moment. But I even think of our Savior's church. I even think of our journey together over the last 13 years. We got here. The church took off, started. We started moving different places. And, and there was the test. The test of not having a place. Would we stay faithful even when we didn't have a place? We were mobile for 10 years. Everybody say 10 years. That means we set up the entire church and broke it all down. Uh, let's see, 52 weeks a year times 10. 520, thank y'all. 520 times. Could you imagine? No, real seriously. I actually had dinner one night with Pastor Chris Hodges, who is the pastor of one of the largest churches in America, who has some mobile sites. And we're sitting there. He's asking, how's Opelousas doing? I said, oh, great. And he said, did y'all find a permanent home? No, we're still mobile. How long have y'all been mobile? And I said, 10 years. And he said, you can't do that. He said, you can only do it for seven. I said, well, where were you three years ago? <laughs> no, he said, no, no, you're, you're going to lose energy. I said, Hap it's happening. It's done. No, it's the test. It's the test of faithfulness. Will you be faithful when there is no produce? Will you be faithful when there is no famine? Knowing that you're in the right place. Ask me, did I ever want to quit? Yes! It's how many times did I say that? Did I want to quit? So it's the test. Will you be faithful even when you look and there's Canaanites in the land? Will you be faithful? Watch what happens. He's about to get his famine test. Watch the next verse, Genesis 12, 10. Now there was a, oh man, I just got here. I finally obeyed God. I got to the right place. We're waiting for the angels to sing and blessing to pour out on me in famine. What will he do during famine? So look what the scripture says. So Abram prayed. He asked God, Lord, I know I'm in the right place. And whenever I'm in the right place, there's protection. There is provision. No, that's not what happened, is it? So Abram says, let's go to Egypt. I hear they got water and bread. He gets up, gets to the place, and then he leaves the place. He gets to Egypt, 
and becomes fearful instead of faithful. Fear versus faith. Can we just speak a little bit about fear? Fear is real. Fear comes on you. Fear, fear comes. You start thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I can hear Sarah now. Oh, well, you brought us here. What are we going to do about it? How do I know that? I'm married. And she's not here. So I'm using this as an illustration. How many of you know your wife is already 32 steps ahead of you? I don't know, baby. I just got us here. We finally obeyed the Lord. I know, baby. Now there's a famine in the land. What are we going to do now? Did you think about a famine? Did you bring provision? You've got to think about all these things. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? What, what happens if I do have a baby? I don't know. What are we going to do? You said I was going to have a baby. You said the Lord said we were going to have a baby. <laughs> just, if you're married, just touch your wife right now and say, come out. No, it's fear, right? Men think we get fear too. We have the same thing. Things happen to us. What are we going to do? I don't know. I got us here, Lord. And then he goes, I, I, I got an idea. I, I, hear, I hear they have abundance in Egypt. Let's just go to Egypt. I mean, we've, we traveled here. We're still in tents. We ain't got a perfect home, permanent home yet. Let's just go on to. It's, it's a fear-based decision. It's not a faith-based decision. He didn't pray about it. He didn't pray. He knew what God told him to do. Get to Canaan. There's a land I'm going to show you. He walks around it. This is the land. I'm going to give your descendants. Famine. The test. Now, we know because we're looking up. We, we, we know Bible, right? Some of us know the Bible. Were there ever times where there was famine in lands? Yes, and we know that God would always take care of the ones that were being obedient to him and faithful to him. In fact, the promise, and I've prayed this over Opelousas many times. You promised me, Lord, a psalm, we'd be a well-watered garden in a sun-scorched land. That's a promise from the word for this campus. We would be a well-watered garden in a sun-scorched land. In Jesus' name. Can he, can he, we know this. We know he take care of Elijah the prophet. Famine, go to, the, go to the river, the brook. I forget which brook. Go to the brook. And he's going to tell birds to come and feed you. He'll take care if you'll just stay in the right place. Stay in the right place. Watch this. Dr. Scott actually wrote this. This is Dr. Scott's words right here. I'm going to read this. This is so good. Fear-based decisions rarely, if ever, end well for you. They offer direction without protection. They create movement without improvement. They are driven by adrenaline from within instead of wisdom from above. They inspire us to make premature decisions that often have long-lasting consequences. To be motivated by fear. I, I love this. I told you last week, Dr. Darius was here at our family gathering and gave us the principle of the place. If you missed last week, he simply said, the environment, you can have all the gifts, you can have all the provision you need, you can have all the resources you need, but if you're in the wrong place, you're going to be ineffective for the kingdom of God. You have to be in the right place. And he used Genesis, all the way back to Genesis. He said, God creates the environment first, then he puts the species in after. He created the sky first. Then he put the birds in the sky. He created the water. Then he created fish to go in the water. He creates the environment first, the place, before he puts the species in it. 
Then he creates earth, as he creates earth, then he specifically creates a garden with borders, and he's going to take Adam and Eve and place them in a garden where they can be effective. Everybody tracking with me? And then he said, and then here comes the snake. Satan comes into the garden, not as Satan, but he comes as a snake. He comes as something familiar in a garden. Do you think Adam and Eve might have seen some other snakes in the garden? So he comes with, as something familiar. And then he says, he, you know, of course, we know what happens. You know, he convinces Eve, she takes the fruit, then Adam, then the woman convinces Adam, and then, we, then they get expelled from the, from the place. And here was his words, Dr. D's words. Satan cannot destroy you. He can't. If you're sitting in this room today and if you're born again, which means you've been redeemed, you've been bought back by the cross of Christ, his precious blood has now wiped away every one of your sins. He rose from the dead to show you, you too will rise from the dead. You have been bought with a price. You belong to him. He cannot destroy you. He has no authority over you. No, no, he doesn't. In fact, the scripture says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The scripture also warns us, one day we will see Satan, and you will say something like this. Ha! That's him? you got to be kidding me. That he cannot destroy you. But what he can do is influence you to make bad decisions so you destroy yourself. Influence. It's influence. The right place. I was talking to a brother this past week, one of the men in our church, just talking. Said, hey, he's he's figuring it out. Going, hey, I'm at the point in my life, I can make a lot more money somewhere else. I, I I I can be balling somewhere else. But God's place me here and where God places you is more valuable to you than where you could go and you think you could make more you have to find the right place God's place everybody say God's place let me tell you what let me tell you what's in God's place ready protection is in God's place if you move outside of that umbrella bad fearful decision you're going to place yourself without the protection of God. you got to be in the right place. You're in the right place today, by the way, in case you're wondering. You might have stumbled in to the right place. But let me tell you what else is in there. Not only just protection, there is provision in the place. This is what Abraham missed. He missed the opportunity for God to provide for him. He didn't believe God could provide because of fear. Let me tell you what else is there. Purpose is there. Purpose is in the right place for the gifts that God has called you to so those can begin to be exercised so that the kingdom of God is advanced. That's why Kevin's up here saying he's not really begging. He's giving you an opportunity maybe to take the next step in your life so you can see and feel the purpose of God flowing through you going, wait a minute, this works. 
Look, you don't want to come to our church without Dot sitting out the front row going, hey, praise the Lord. Welcome, everybody. Yes, I don't. I miss when she's not there. I miss when our nursery worker, how many of you know, thank Jesus for those who are called to infants and children and two-year-olds. Thank you, who love your kids. Thank you for Children's Church, people who love children, who can break down the presets and concepts of God into a child's level. Ask them, if you got children in Children's Church, you go, what's the Bible verse? They're memorizing and learning the scriptures. We're teaching them as they go. Thank you. Thank you for those who work in the coffee shop. Come on, caffeine addicts. <laughs> Give the Lord praise. Now, thank you. Thank you for our ushers. Thank you. Thank, thank you for this worship team. They practice. No, no. They work hard. They don't just sound that good. They don't just get here early in the morning going, well, y'all want to do this morning. Y'all want to play. No, no. They're working on it, working on their gifts. How many, they were preaching to us this morning before we ever got here. They were preaching this morning before I ever got up. They were just talking about the good, I got goodness. I love that song, by the way. I was actually worshiping to that song on my way to church this morning, singing. I didn't even know it was on the list today. And I saw that and went, hey, that's a great song. So are y'all tracking with me? The place. Let's look what happens to Abram. By the way, here's Paul speaking to Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Timothy. For God has not given you a... Yeah. Anytime you feel fear... Look at me. Look at me. Anytime fear comes upon you, it's not from God. It's not from God. How many things have you been fearful and anxious about? I can promise you 99% of the things you were fearful and anxious about never happened. You wasted days. We can all succumb to fear. It all comes at all of us. Heidi and I were talking the other day. She just went, we got to do this. And don't forget, we got to do that. And then we got to do this. And this is coming up. And then what's going And she just had a list. I know y'all, you girls never do this to your husband. She just went down this long list, and I just, uh-huh, 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 yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And she goes, and then we, then we got to do that. And I just went, what are we going to do today? And she said, well, we're just going to do this today. Okay, well, let's, just, let's just do today. And then tomorrow, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough of its own. I don't need tomorrow. Now I'll quote Heidi, because she has taught you girls this, and it's very wise. Do not borrow tomorrow's grace for today. You got enough for today. Lift your hand and go, thank you, Jesus. We're going to make it through today. It's 55 degrees outside. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Watch this. So Abram goes to Egypt. Watch what happens. When, and he says, watch this. This is him talking in Genesis 12, 11. Hey, listen. Uh, when he's about to enter into Egypt, he said to Sarah's wife, listen, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. Okay, first of all, she's 66. 
Okay. Sarah must have been using olive oil <laughs> because she's fine. I mean, the Bible lets us know she's hot. She is a beauty. She's gorgeous. And it's a, so he says, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they're going to kill me. But they will let you live. So say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Okay. I, I just want you all to see what usually happens when you get afraid. It usually leads to something else. He gets fearful, and now he's going, Sarah, listen, you're, you're gorgeous. Listen, don't let him know you're my wife. What, what is that? It's fear, but what's he now doing because of fear? Now he's lying. Now he's not telling the truth anymore. And that's what fear does to you. It causes you to put yourself into positions that you'll end up lying. And lying, if it takes lie to get it, it'll take more lies to keep it. So you have to be careful of what fear can do to you. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. If God is with you and you're in the right place, there is protection, provision, and purpose. Stay in the right place. We'll talk about place in just a moment. And so let's look what happens. And so he, he goes into self-preservation. He's, he's, he's protecting himself. He's not really concerned about her, is he? He's concerned about him. And so look, and it, it works for a while. Look, look at Genesis 12, verse 15 and 16. What happens? And when the princesses of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. Hey, Pharaoh, there's this woman that just came into town, and she is gorgeous. And the woman, Sarai, was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. Oh, that's your brother? And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, I highlighted for a reason. Just, just hang on. Female donkeys and camels sent to him as a gift. So Pharaoh takes Sarah to his, I guess his palace, and says, oh, that's your brother. Well, I'm going to be kind to him and gives him gifts for giving her. If you want to call it financial prosperity, that's what it was, a blessing to Abel. How, how many of you know that sometimes the blessings are not really from God. That, that's not always a sign of God's favor. It can be a sign of God's favor, but it's not always a sign of God's favor. So he's, listen, this is what happened. Can I push pause just for a second? I'm gonna push, I'm gonna go back to that spot, but in light of the news that's on, let me share with you what's happened. If we fast forward, they're gonna, Sarah, he's going to get Sarah back, and I'll read it in just a moment. And they're going to go back to the place that they're supposed to be. And then they're going to be waiting on the promise, which is 
There's the famine test, which Abram's failing. But in a little bit, Sarah's going to face the time test. Everybody say time. That's the time between the promise of God and the fulfillment of God. That there's time. And you'll be tested by it. And Sarah is going to go, I can't have a baby. And you said God was going to give me a baby. So here's what we're going to do, Abraham. I want you to take one of my servants. One of my what? Where did they get those servants? From Pharaoh in Egypt. Take one of my servants, Hagar, and if you'll... Do it, the thing. Then that baby, she'll become a surrogate. That's, and this, in Bible days, this was not uncommon for there to be a surrogate. And this was how they would do it. And, and then I'll take the child and raise the child on my own. Because she wasn't willing. She was about to fail the time test. And you got to wait. I don't like waiting. You don't like waiting. She has the baby. Hagar has the baby. Sarah immediately begins to torment her and drives Hagar away. Hagar actually takes Ishmael, the baby, and runs. Thank God she gets met by an angel of the Lord on the run. When you see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, let me tell you who that is. It's not just an angel. It's Jesus. Jesus shows up in the Old Testament and speaks to Hagar and says to her, you need to go back. You need to submit yourself. I will bless Ishmael. I will bless him. You need to go back. And then he also gives a prophetic word over Ishmael. And it calls him, he'll be be a, a donkey of a man. And he will be at enmity at all times with all men. So you go back, okay, who is that? Ishmael is the son of Abraham, which starts the Arab line. Isaac, who's coming in the future, will start the Jewish line. So Arabs and Jews are actually half-brothers. And so we're watching what you see happening on the news, even today, yesterday. We're watching this enmity between the two brothers. It's not all Palestinian people. Don't, don't think that. It's Hamas and Hezbollah. It's the instigators who just try to keep it up and stir it up. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? The time test. Look at me. If God promises you something, if he's reminded you of the promises, don't take the shortcut. Wait until the fulfillment of the the promise. When it happens, it'll happen. We've had it here. We've had it as a church before. Remember this land? We we, we walked this land. We prayed over this land. We put crosses on this land. We said this was our land. And then they said it wasn't our land. And then they said it was our land. And they said it wasn't our land. And I'm in New Orleans looking out of a window, looking at a river going, God, you promised it was our land, and now it's not our land. They're not going to sell it to us. They're going to sell it to Love's Truck Stop. You said it was our land. 
And we waited. And I parked my truck over here all the time. You remember I said over here? And then the phone rings at that moment. I'm, I'm talking to the Lord, looking at the Mississippi River at a hotel in New Orleans. Going, you said it was our land. Heidi's in the other, she's in the other room. She's going, what are you doing? I'm just talking to God. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm telling him his problem. Uh, y'all, y'all never done that to the Lord. He can handle it. Just tell him. He already knows you're thinking it. You might as well get it out of your mouth. Lord, you said that was our land. You told me that was our land. And I've been walking that land just like Abraham walked the land. And I've been promising. And I didn't leave. I didn't go to Egypt. I'm in New Orleans. But I didn't go to Egypt. <laughs> and the phone rings. It's Coach Thompson. How's you? Yeah. Hey, they just called and said, the, the, the owner of the land called and said, somebody, he, he woke up in the middle of the night and he could not sleep. I know that's good, right? He couldn't sleep and he ran in and he told his daughter, I got to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing. And just call, <clears throat> call the pastor and tell him that I'll sell them the land. Just call, just tell them to come get it right now because they've offered me way more money over there than they're offering over there. So just tell them I'm going to do the right thing. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Time. Will you stand the test? Here's the thing about God. Can I tell you something about God? It bugs me. He's never early. I want him to come early. Come early, Lord. Please come early. So we don't have to go through all this. Come help me out, Vic. The time test. Watch this. Hagar is anything that allows us still to believe in God. Remember, look, God said he'd give us a son. Maybe he meant through her. Why don't you, y'all, do that thing and then bring me the baby and the... It allows us to still believe in God without really trusting in God. So here's the question. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Even the demons believe in God. But do we believe God? Don't miss what happens. But the Lord, Genesis 12, 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah. I love this. Even in his fear and self-preservation, God still showed mercy and grace on Abram. Uh, no, don't, don't miss this because I love this because that means, that means even sometimes when I fall short and you fall short and I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, that God can still move on my life with mercy and grace to get me back to the right place. Now, are y'all checking with me? Still the great, you know, when you got a Friday night, remember Friday night? And Saturday morning at noon when you finally woke up, you went out to check your car to make sure you didn't run into anything because you don't even remember Friday night. 
And you go, thank you, God, for rescuing me because I shouldn't have been in the wrong place, but you still got me home safe. The grace and mercy of God. He sends a plague to Pharaoh, which, which is a foreshadow of what would happen in you get into Exodus, that the Egyptians will then one day enslave Israel and plagues will come to free them. You see, see what happened? He's given a little prequel. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Let me tell you what he's saying. Get to where God wants you. Why are you over here messing with me, involving me in your disobedience? And Pharaoh gave men and others concerning him, and they sent him his wife all, with all that he had. Wow. This story begins with Abram and his family going down to Egypt, but the story ends with Abram and his family coming out of Egypt because of the mercy and the grace of God. Thank you for your mercy, not giving me what I deserve. No, no, no. Thank him. Thank you for giving us mercy, not giving us what we deserve. Think of your life and things that you do. What am I doing here? And yet he got you out of there because of his grace. I love this. Uh, one theologian wrote, this depicts his spiritual and physical pil pilgrimage out of God's blessing and back into God's blessing. Thank you, Lord, for writing all of this out. So you and I would have encouragement to go, I can fall short, but I can get back up again and I can get to where God wants me to be. It's not over yet. Look at me, it's not over yet. Look at me, it's not over yet. You're not settling for plan B. You know, Pastor, you don't know what all I've done in my life. I, I, I know, I don't know what all you've done in your life. And, and I probably really, probably don't really need to know, actually. But can I tell you something? Wherever you are, you can still get to the purposes of God for your life from wherever you are. All your decisions did was take you a longer route and longer time. But because of the grace and mercy of God, he's still committed to you to get you to where you are supposed to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Oh. I don't. I, I got a feeling I know what Abram did when he got to back to Canaan. Fear drove Abram to Egypt. God's grace and mercy got him out. And just because we step into Egypt does not disqualify you from walking in the promises of God. Abram returned to where he left off with God. He returned to the altar. Everybody say the altar. Yeah, the altar is to alter you. It's to alter things. And so he left, and he came back, and God met him there. So, what's an altar? It's not the front of the church. 
That's not where you make altars. You make altars in your heart. This is where you make altars. And I know where Jesus is. Where is he, Pastor Hugh? He's where you left him. That's where he always is. That's where you left him. And I just don't want us to miss this moment. So I'm asking you not to move around. Can we just have a moment? Because I know there's some who are walking in fear. And it's caused you to make some really bad decisions and go to some really bad places. I, I, can, I can hear Pharaoh now. Singing a Beatles song. Get back. Get back. Get back to where you once belong. Get back. Y'all remember that song? Get back. Get back. Get back to where you once belong. It's with Jesus. And so you can be sitting in this room and you've walked with God for a long time, but you're not where you once were with God. Get back. Get back. Get back to where you once were. Maybe you're hearing, well, I, I used to serve. Get back. Get back. Man, I used to be a prayer. Get back. Get back. Man, I used to, I used to be generous. Get back. Get back. Go back to the altar again. That's where he's at. Right where you left him and right where I left him. Can we just do that for a moment? Holy Spirit, could you just put your finger on it in our own heart? Would you just give him permission? Just say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Give us for our fear, our anxiousness, because really it's our lack of faith in you. Fear over our children instead of walking in faith over our children. Fear over our jobs and career instead of walking in faith over our jobs and career. Fear in our marriage instead of walking in faith over our marriage. Fear in our relationship with you instead of walking in faith in our relationship with you. Would you forgive us? Would you forgive us? You've not given us that spirit. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that draws us back to you, just to you. It's not to a church. It's to you. So today, Holy Spirit, would you come and meet your people today right where they're at? Would you speak the peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and guard their minds? Thank you, Father. We're not without. We're not in lack. 
Father, you've blessed us abundantly. We're a blessed people. Father, forgive us. Just remember this story. I'm on Bourbon Street, Mardi Gras, 1984. No, no, 85. Passing out tracks. That would be like this little gospel message track to all the party goers. And nobody's taking the tracks. It's taking them and throwing them on the ground, cursing us out. I was there on a mission. And this one kid, probably 18, comes through the crowd and he runs like smack dab into me. It's shoulder to shoulder, people going through. And uh, I hand him the track and he looks up at me and goes, what are you doing here? And I said, no, what are you doing here? And he began to weep. And I prayed with him and he began to confess that he was called by God to preach the gospel. And he's on Bourbon Street partying with his friends. I often thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> but it was just to ask him the question, what are you doing here? All of us, all, A-L-L, -L, all of us have taken a step or two off of where we're supposed to be. And maybe today's the voice saying to you, what are you doing here? It's not a church. It's with him. And so today, Lord, we thank you for the mercy of God and the grace of the Lord that always calls us back to follow you. This isn't rocket science. We just follow Jesus. Do what he asks. Obey when he speaks. When we read something, we obey it. We're following him. And so maybe today, you can really surrender. Surrender it all. None of it's yours anyway. 
It all belongs to him. I've often thought, what if we had a church that just radically followed Jesus? Our city would be blessed. Our region would be blessed. And you would be blessed. Stay in the right place. Stay in the right place. So Lord, would you speak to your people? May this seed find fertile ground and may it produce incredible fruit in their life. Just to be with you. Thank you that you love us so passionately that you're even willing to go to the Egypt of Mardi Gras to get us back to where we're supposed to be. So today we repent. We repent. Forgive us. And then we'll follow you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's here. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's just here to say, come back to where you belong. Maybe you need to surrender your life to him today. You can just say a simple prayer like this. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I'm turning around. I'm going the other way. Would you please forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you be my Lord? I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your grace to follow you. Give them your Holy Spirit. Give us your Holy Spirit, Lord. The power we need so that we can walk with peace of mind and not fear of mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name.